0: Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder, and you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to experience sensing pleasure through your senses and moving in a way that is completely free from inhibition. And today we have a very special guest. This is Jason, and I am super fan of his work. Welcome, Jason. So happy to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to connect. Thanks for having me.
0: So I was checking my email and mm-hmm. I don't know what, what I searched for. And suddenly one of your emails came came out and it was Koital Alignment Technique. And I was like, I, I didn't recall about that email. And it was like, oh, this is interesting. I opened the email and it was indeed interesting. And it was an email from... 2011 so i've been in contact (laughs) with your content for a decade now and i am very 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 happy that you are now at the central sessions podcast so tell us a little bit about your work how how did you come to to this big and important project that is pleasure
1: yeah no it's it's funny you say that because i guess i've been at this for a while when you say emails from 2011 but I think back, yeah, I think I started probably even way back in 2008 is when I just kind of started putting myself out there. Um, Long story short, I was at the time running a pretty popular website that was like dating advice for men. And so I started putting out some of my own content and I was in a relationship. So I wasn't really into the dating advice so much. I kind of really absorbed myself into all the sexuality stuff. You know, I had access to all these experts that were using my site, and they were inviting me to, you know, workshops, and I was learning all this stuff, I was sort of obsessed. And so I started putting out YouTube content way back then, and nobody was really talking about it. And I feel like I was nerding out over it over and over. And so I kind of found I had a lot to to say about it. And um, so I, my first video, I was just talking about casually how I taught my girlfriend at the time how to have a squirting orgasm and you know got over a million views i didn't even expect that wow and then you know my my best friend and i just you know we were running the dating advice thing we're like well we have access to so many experts you know let's let's put some stuff together and let's you know serve this audience that's really hungry for you know you know having a more pleasurable sex life for themselves but really to please their partners we had a lot of guys who just were, you know, getting, you know, a lot of guys get pleasure out of pleasing their woman, and they didn't really have access to understanding how to do that. And uh, a lot of women, then it turned out, were, were finding our content as well, because they had no idea. I feel like, you know, female pleasure and orgasms were like sort of in a, you know, a black box, nobody was talking about it. And so we really kind of struck a chord with an audience. And we just started putting ourselves out there and doing you know, our own research, having experts on and stuff like that. And so it's just kind of grew organically. And that obsession turned into, you know, helping, you know, a lot of people in, in their relationship. And it's been really gratifying, because just some small distinctions can really go a long way. in helping someone, you know, understand, not only from a guy's perspective, how to touch his woman, but how to, you know, approach her mind and her whole being, and so it's 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 really been sort of an organic thing. And so, yeah, we we grew from there. And then, you know, the last couple of years uh, with my wife, I've been you know working on some stuff for women as well because I've been sort of obsessed. How do I then transition this to teaching? women as well. And so, uh, we actually just, um, got done launching a a really big, uh, product for us that we've been working on for a couple of years. Uh, it's called sweet release and it's all includes like meditations and things like that, that really take it to the next level for women to empower themselves. So, uh, that's sort of the next, the next step, I think in going beyond the physical is just really understanding that female orgasms happen in the mind and, you know, being able to help women has is, is been really gratifying as well. So, um, yeah, I guess that kind of is a, my story in a nutshell, if you will. <laughs> so
0: Fantastic story. Yeah, the world is very happy that you're doing this. It's meaningful. Thank you. And I find it very interesting that you teach men and women on women's pleasure. So, right. and you said something that for me, it's like, this is important, that there are men that get pleasure from creating or eliciting pleasure in their woman. And this is like, almost like a cultural paradigm shift because still there is a prevailing culture on objectification of women as a means to provide pleasure to men. Like we see it in the videos, in the songs, like in both magazines. And for me, it's like this is like a whole different view. Like the the woman is not there to please you, like realize that there is a unique pleasure in, in witnessing and being part of her pleasure. Would you right. tell us a little bit more about that, like that that difference in in the masculine view?
1: Right, I think everyone is at a different place in their journey, and I think a lot of it has to do with how they grew up and how they received love. So I do know that there's a lot of nice guys that come to my you know community, and they're just like that's how they received love is by you know pleasing you know. Uh, I know this is a strange correlation, but when you grow up. Pleasing the opposite sex parent by, you know, needing to make them feel better, you kind of have a tendency to think that you receive love by actually pleasing that person. So you have that, you know, sort of subgroup of people. But then I think there's a lot of guys, you know, kind of running the full gambit of, you know, they've, you know, they, they, they fell into that lifestyle when they're younger. It's all about me and I'm just seeking for me. I'm seeking for me. But I think eventually, all of us conscious beings stop seeking after a while once we've just gotten our, our own stuff. And this goes with money. This goes with our own pleasure. This goes with eating. Um, after we seek our own you know, pleasure, it just gets old after a while. And I think that we realize that we as human beings are more happy when we serve other people. And so I think there's something... Really deep down in every one of us, you know, even the person who is right now in a stage of just being all about themselves, I think they eventually come full circle to the idea that, you know, it's not just about me. And when you're really with the right person, I think that's another key thing too. You know, when you're young and you're dating and you're just really not knowing yourself and you're not finding that person that really meshes with you. You kind of maybe get a distorted version of like what this <clears throat> this relationship is for, or you know where you're thinking you're you're just in it for yourself. Well, when you really find someone that's a really good match for you, that's really on a high level, it, you you just jam with them on a different level, and you have so much more respect. You're not in it for yourself. You're in it to grow. You're in it to, you know, maybe have a family. You're in it to, you know, in the case of my. Uh, wife and I, we you know build our life, whole life around our business and our passion. Now, um, I think when you're at that level, you just naturally just love to see that person in your life thrive, and that's you know in all areas of their life, their health, their you know business or work, whatever they're doing, but also in the bedroom, and um, and just even as another side note, for some guys who still don't think about their partner's pleasure it's just really, honestly, the more you give, the more you get. And so I know it's like in anything in life, you can be really selfish with your, uh, you know, I, this is my money or this is, you know, all my stuff. And we just really realize the more in life we give the you know, the, the better for ourselves. So with, especially with women, you, you know, give them full body, amazing orgasms. They're going to want sex more often, you know, just like, you know, you know, a lot of guys are like, Oh, my wife doesn't want to have sex as often as I do. It's like, well, when she's enjoying it a lot she will you know so um just on a simple level it's worth it for that
0: yeah definitely like the change from being there to get something versus yeah being there being there to to offer yourself as as a gift and i feel this is very important to to be introduced like in our current narrative because on one side like we see the rapper with 25 girls around and then you you wonder like is any of these those girls like really satisfied in that panorama or like it's all right. the guy and uh, it's it, it it even looks like a little bit infantile like childish like I- immature yeah and this leads me to to the next question sure. i remember uh, inviting you to the podcast to talk about, like, men's pleasure. And you told me, like, well, yeah, but I am, like, more specialized in, in women's pleasure. And now I get right. it, like, like, because there's a huge pleasure for for men or the masculine to provide pleasure. So uh, would you say it's more challenging for women to to delight sexually than men? or it, it is the same for them
1: to for them to delight in their own pleasure or yeah
0: yeah it's easier for a guy or a woman is it the same uh for a guy and a woman to get an orgasm or it's different like
1: i think um traditionally it's been much easier for men to reach orgasm and you know um, I think maybe nature made it that way so that we procreate. Because if you know, guys not able to ejaculate, um, then there would be no procreation. But from the pleasure perspective, I think the mind is so much more important on the the feminine side.
0: Yes.
1: And I I feel like women have kind of really gotten the wrong story growing up, whereas men. We react to our physical body. You know, we start getting erections when we're younger, and we're like, "Oh, look, I can ejaculate." Well, you know, it, it can seem that a woman's story is a little bit more complicated because you know her genitals are tucked in; they're not standing out. You know, what does this pleasure mean? And so much of it is inside the mind and the, the ability to be present. And so, I think ultimately, it's just a different journey for each. Uh, I think men are a little bit more used to being selfish about their own pleasure yes. um and women in general are tend to be more givers than receivers so yes. a lot of times it can be challenging for women to accept the pleasure that's being given to them whereas men you know are just like okay i'm I'm here for it you know like it's it's just kind of like you know just lay it back you know yeah. and a lot of that has to do with what you were talking about earlier, the narrative that we hear, you know, you see, yeah, like a rap video with a guy with 25 women. Well, you know, I live in Southern California. I've seen behind the scenes of all this stuff. The second the cameras stop, those women walk away. They ask where their paycheck is. That wasn't real life, you know? And so then men are trying to live up to this to this idea. And so they've had that narrative in their mind, like, yes, it's okay to pursue my own pleasure and pursue having 10 women all around just pleasing me. Whereas women have seen the same narrative, and they're like, "Oh, am I supposed to be pleasing him? I don't have any good role models, you know." And on top of that, the narrative, you know, that young men and women hear is, you know, guys are just like they, you know, got laid when they're younger. They're like, you know, championed on like that was a good thing. For women, they're shamed about it. They're told, you know, what are you doing? You might get pregnant. You know, uh, all these all these things that um, can be very shameful, um, particularly depending on what culture and country you grow up in, you know, a a lot of men and women are treated totally differently. And, um, so women have the disadvantage of having to overcome shame on top of, you know, just accepting their own pleasure. They've sometimes even been conditioned to think that it's not okay. And so that's really important for them to really embrace their body and their sexuality, uh, where I think it's maybe a little bit easier from both a cultural standpoint and just a physiology standpoint for guys to just naturally want to yes. or be able to do that.
0: yes, definitely. yeah this make me makes me think that we've been raised in a cultural double standard in in regards yeah. to sex because like, men are like the winners and champions like yeah i got laid with with the hot chick from high school or whatever and everyone is gonna know and for the girl it's like the other way around like like all right you, you are like easy to get so so to say because now everyone knows and etc so it's like but how would the guy champion get on getting laid without the girl like like also being a winner for the experience so it's like like a reward for 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 one side and a punishment right for the other at a level culture and and a, <clears throat> at a very real practical level like for a guy sex one <clears throat> sexual intercourse has absolutely no consequences and no implications in his life. Like he can walk away and disappear forever. And that's it. And for a woman, yeah. like if she's a virgin and she has sex one time, she can get pregnant and that will change the course of her life forever. So, so like it, it's, it's tre- a tremendous I would. It's not disadvantage, but uh, it's a an unparalleled circumstance. So, no doubt, this this makes like sex and pleasure and intimacy and dating and guys and everything like a whole different thing. S- uh, and
1: it all- kind of does. I th- oh, and it's yeah. not not to not to interrupt you, but I think it it does. But I think. Um, the, the big thing that I think our culture is a, awakening to is that women are just as sexually driven to for pleasure yeah. as well. And yeah. so, yes, the consequences can be slightly different, but it, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if she gets pregnant, hopefully the guy will at least, even if they're not going to stay together, will do his part in, in that kid's life. And, you know, society hopefully holds them accountable for that too. So it's not so one-sided that she's only responsible and he can just totally run away, but there's notoriously been a lot of that in the past. But I think the the narrative will change when, when we start to understand how hyper orgasmic women can be, you know, like, you know, giving a woman 10 orgasms in a row and you're just kind of like, oh man, I had one ejaculation and she's, you know, coming over and over and over again. That's like a whole different story than what a lot of women yes. are experiencing in their own relationship. Yes,
0: yes, yes and that for me it's it's fascinating that there's like this cultural oppression and this uh biological so to say disadvantage like maybe not in in developed countries where you have contraception and everything but like everywhere else like even here in Mexico or like if we think 500 years ago like yeah <laughs> it was like even at More uneven. But when all of that is, like, balanced and there's, like, uh, equality with contraception and with, like, uh, responsibility, even if it's a one-night stand, okay, like, if we get pregnant, like, we are going to be responsible, even if we are not together. (laughs) Right. And and having that base, then uh, another very powerful and unsettling aspect of reality um becomes becomes evident that women's pleasure ability is is i i i even don't have a word to say like almost infinite unsettling like 10 orgasms in like uh, to, to tell a guy that I, I'm going to need four hours per sex episode. And they are like, wait, come on. Like I only need two minutes. <laughs> so, right. so it can be like, yeah. Unsettling to realize that the pleasure potential and capacity for, for a woman's body or physiology is, it's immense and I don't know how much does it has to do with with the genitals that like it's it's hard to to tell where the genitals begin and where the genitals end so in a way I've talked with my friends with my female friends and Mm -hmm. we have our mystical conclusions that we are all sex like the vagina is connected with the heart and the heart is connected with the brain and the skin and like
1: Everything,
0: oh yeah 100%. everything it's it's erotized versus a guy like yeah they, they like to be touched on the skin and etc but it's like physically very clear that the genitals are the genitals and for women like it, it's as if uh sex is less localized and more yeah like more all-encompassing like it's better if you have the dishes washed, if the there's a a good lighting in the room, and like, yeah. So what do you think about that?
1: Well, I think, um, I think that's where it kind of comes to the uh, female orgasms happen in the brain, right? And so, um, you know, a lot of new research is showing that prior to orgasm, women are in like, you know, uh, uh, almost like a meditative state, like a flow state, and so it's almost like the alpha brain waves are high, you know, and you're in this total state of presence, almost just lost in the moment. We think about how hard is it to go from your busy life to getting into that state, you know, before orgasm. That's kind of a jump if you don't yes. do it very often,
0: yes. right?
1: And so, our our modern lifestyle is somewhat to blame because we are not present hardly at all, and so we've conditioned our minds to be Addicted to the thinking mind. So we're constantly thinking, 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 thinking. Well, now it's like, well, now don't think when you're with your partner, and that's can feel like a huge jump, especially like you said, if the guy is only lasting two minutes, you know. So of course, there's a lot the guy can do on his part to last longer than two minutes for sure. But um, you know, even 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes can even still be hard for her to switch gears to become more present and not to mention be in that state of feeling desire, right? And so she needs context, right? And so men are turned on instantly like a light switch. We see, you know, and not all the time, right? But we we start to, you know, see a naked body and we can just start getting an erection and we're ready for sex. Or we can feel like we want sex before we even see the naked body. Like for a lot of women, they experience desire backwards. They need the context first. And that's why a lot of times foreplay is important for more important for women. Guys just want to jump right into it. And because they're already turned on, well, when you understand that about your uh your partner from a guy's perspective, you can take your time more, understand what she likes to get her into the moment. But I think what we're finding for women is you know the ability to get back to that you know sort of meditative flow state is important, and so you know that's why we've spent so much time developing meditations because here we have people that are so used to being busy minded that it's a struggle for them to get right yes. into that present moment, and not to mention when you trying to uh, be intimate with your partner and you're finally letting yourself become present and right then that's when you know that worry from something at work comes up that you know you're kind of like okay i i don't want to deal with this right now how do you have the you know intelligence to navigate through your mind as well and so um we were keyed into the uh, studies that are showing that emotional intelligence in women is correlated with frequency of orgasm and i think a big piece of that is that they're able to navigate you know, and say, now's not the time for this thing. Or they're able to understand all the associations the mind is making that aren't really relevant in the present moment. And so when you combine emotional intelligence, you know, meditation, and really just understanding their body and connecting to their body, you know, a lot of women never connect to their body. Um, They grow up with a lot of shame, sex is bad, don't you dare have sex, you're going to get pregnant. And so... A lot of them are just turned off to it. Even worse, a lot of them, uh, you know, obviously, unfortunately, are uh, faced with, you know, different types of sexual abuse, assault, uh, uh, all kinds of, of, of horrific things that create trauma in the body. So when you try to relax the mind, what is what wants to come up is the trauma. And so if you've never spent time allowing the trauma to just come up and leave and be seen... Well, now you're in a situation where you're in a, in a very familiar state to what your mind is already associating to something um, scary, and so you know you're you're trying to pump the gas and and get turned on, but at the same time there's these unconscious blocks. So I think one of the biggest things for women is to understand is that there's a gas pedal and there's a brake pedal, right? Mm-hmm. And so you might be pushing the gas as hard as you can think of, but a lot of times if you haven't worked on what unconscious blocks you might have, you might be pumping the brakes at the same time and not even know it. And so that might all sound relatively complicated, but the, the reality is just becoming present more and working on yourself and connecting to yourself for women is so important. And they're not being taught that because here we, you know, as a society have piled on all these years of shame, and then we're never Telling them or in you know empowering them on how to remove it, and so Mm -hmm. they're there to deal with it on the fly in the moment. And I think that's part of what will really help people understand that women are capable of that level of orgasm is when more of them start to be like, "Oh yes, this is this is my you know birthright to be able to orgasm." It's just piled under all this crap, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's really important to teach women to work on themselves
0: yeah yeah get rid of all those layers of of shaming of trauma and conditioning and especially to, to to be aware of what's going on in the self like am I running on my thinking mind like on my discursive thinking or I am experiencing the moment at at a felt sensed level and right and i feel that something very important to to like dim down the intensity of of the rational discourse that never ends is to Mm -hmm. become better at assessing safety because like there's a meme with a lady with a lot of mathematical Trigonometric calculations in the mind. So uh-huh. I feel most women we are like that in regards to sex. Like, is he gonna like it? Is is he gonna leave me? Like, is the room temperature right? I'm gonna please him. Like, and the it's important to to use all all that that we know to to check in if simply if we are safe. If we are safe at the at the place. Like, if we can take four hours from our schedule without creating a fire in the department. If the guy is reliable or like having all that set and like you say, creating a habit of tuning into the meditative state of being present and something that wow, explains so much of of these challenges that women face is that we've been uh educated and we are also like biologically caregivers like if you don't care for a baby a hundred percent the baby is gonna die (laughs) and women don't have that challenge and for me like now this is very interesting because like One would think that man is a provider, is the one that has a penis and gives part of his flesh into the body of the woman and the woman Mm -hmm. is the receiver. But at an emotional, psychological and cultural level, it's the other way around. Like men are way more available for pleasure. Like, yeah, baby, kneel down and please me. (laughs) Well, women are actually more on, on the opposite role of of the giver and the provider so could you explain i think that's
1: where they need to t- turn it the other way around yeah. and focus on themselves yeah and it, and it and it can go it can help so much to be able to kind of switch that dynamic because How can you allow someone to give you pleasure if you've never given yourself the focus? You know, if your natural tendency is to want to see what the room temperature is, like you said, and is he okay and all that stuff, what about you? If you've never spent time making that okay for you when you're by yourself, you know, just masturbating or just meditating, if you don't take the time to do that regularly, I like that you said, you know, like that survival mind that's always trying to anticipate everything it's going to be activated because it's it's almost feels threatened when you're when you put just you know a silent focus on being present because it's the part that's always grabbing like am i okay you know it is you know do i have to do this in an hour is this going on it's trying to constantly keep us safe it needs that time even just you know 15 20 minutes a day to know that it's okay to be present And if you don't do that regularly, well, you can't expect to do it um, when you're with your partner and really connecting with your body so that, you know, I think most highly orgasmic women know their pattern for orgasm. So they'll know sort of what gets them turned on, where they need to kind of put their mind to feel desire or even feel desirable. And then they'll even know their pattern of, you know, how they like to be touched and a lot of women have never explored their body. In fact, one of the things that really was uh, stand out to me is particularly the older generation, how many women don't know where their own clitoris is? Uh, how many women just have never explored themselves or how many women call it you know their vagina instead of their vulva when the whole package is called their vulva because culture doesn't teach them the correct terminology. how you know how do you even explore yourself if you're already starting off from that you know, oh, this is my vagina? Well, no, that's your vulva. This is your clitoris. This is your, you know, uh, all the different parts. Nobody ever showed them. And so just exploring their own body and actually making a point to do it regularly and then know their own pattern, right, is, is really important. So that's where it, it is a mindset stuff, but it's a connection to self thing as well.
0: Yes, yes. And I feel that little by little, we are changing the culture with these kind of conversations. I I saw a post that, I don't know if it was like last year, but it was very recent that the clitoris was introduced in textbooks in Germany. And for me, it was like, wow, like, I hadn't even realized that it wasn't introduced in textbooks anywhere. And like by now because when i began like uh formally studying um pilates to become a teacher trainer i tried Mm -hmm. to find about the pelvic floor like what's the name and what exactly do, do we have between the legs and in no anatomy like in no anatomy book of that rack i found anything about the pelvic floor i had to go to the mm. g- gynecobstetrics obstetrics library from the university to find out like ah this is a pelvic floor and there's a perineum and those muscles are fundamental for arousal and they assist the genital function but they are also fundamental in spinal stability and breathing like
1: <laughs> right like,
0: everything it's interconnected so like anatomy studies and like scholar curriculums bypass a key element for respiration and spinal health, just not to include that those are part of, of the genital and sexual function. And for me, it was like, this this, this cannot be happening, but it like, yeah, like where I had the precise, turning point moment of history where where female sexuality is uh coming to to light and like you say right most women in mexico there was a survey made and 80 percent of women had never had an orgasm in their lives like 80 percent like if you see the the line of the tortillas people or i don't know the bank and you count like it's amazing, like 80% never had right. sex in their life, and that is so sad because most of them for sure they have had sex in their life, so there is a huge disparity, and it boils down to to what you say, like how important is is presence, and and like claiming ownership in, in one's pleasure and becoming an authority on one's body and taking the space and the time to explore and be with yourself and find, like, find this uh, oasis in, in your f- flesh, like this area in your bodily map and in your being that is, like, it's a paradise. And here comes... uh Uh, A tremendous blockage that I've observed with my friends, with myself, with my students, that is the deservingness of pleasure and of course I know that pleasure is my birthright and like I western women that are independent like we know that we we deserve that but we don't feel deserving so have you have you noticed this this challenge on on the topic of deservingness?
1: Yeah. Um 100% and it's an int- I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's it's another thing when you're identified with the the what you would call the ego identity which is that thinking part of your mind, it needs a reason. It needs a reason to be confident. It needs a reason to be worthy. It needs a reason yes to Uh, uh, am I deserving of this pleasure? There's a part of you that happens before the thinking ever takes place. And if you've never visited it by meditating, you don't know it, right? And so there's a part of you that knows that it's confident. So if you're trying to say, how do you be more confident, guys, ask me how to be more confident. The reality is you already are confident. You just have a story that you're addicted to that's constantly seeking to be validated. And if it's not validated, now that's the survival mind getting involved. And so you have to get outside of your story that you're addicted to about what it, what it is to even be deserving of pleasure because you already are. And yes, you can say it's your birthright. Well, when you feed that to your logical mind, it's like, well, okay, well, I still have my story about you know my shame and all these, these things and women should be this way and men should be this way. The reality is everything is neutral. When you go down to that you know mm-hmm. neutral part of of your consciousness so when you're meditating you're right there you're present it's be, it's the part of you that that happens before thought even creeps up and when you spend time in there that's where you find your worth that's where you find your confidence and you realize all along you always were worthy you always have been confident it's the story that your mind took on from a very young age to protect you is the only reason that we suffer The reason that we suffer of thinking we need to be a certain way, or we need to do a certain thing, or we have anxiety, or um, when I lost my best friend five years ago, I had a hard time letting go of the story that I should have him in my life, or what's life going to be like without him. And so grief itself is part of that story. And until we go back to the part of ourselves that precedes thought, we don't touch the part of ourselves that already is whole already is love, is already confident. And, you know, so then we have to rely on our stories of how things should be. You yes. know, we're we're already fulfilled. We just don't realize it. The thing that we're always chasing is right in front, inside of us. But that worthiness, you have to touch it and know what you really are outside of your story. And that's that's how you get true worth, true confidence. And that's how you, you know that you're deserving of it.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for sharing this story about the the loss of your best friend and talking about Mm -hmm. grief because a lot of people that have gone through loss being a a beloved one or a loss of an aspect of oneself as with uh, the experience of abuse or trauma, like those things hit like a drug. (laughs) Those hit hard. So they they become ingrained in, in the self as a story and now like I'm even getting the goosebumps because what you're saying it's so so fundamental that that is part of, of your story of, of your experience but this, it's part. it's part. It's not your whole self. it's it's not uh, what the term is your your existence. In, in part, it affects, but if you go a little bit backwards and a little bit backwards, and you take the, the great step backward that it's said in, in Zen tradition, that is taking the step back to yourself and to your center, then you you can rest in that fundamental dignity and self-worthiness that is life itself. That you're realizing that you are alive now and for so long only still. And your stories and hardships and circumstances and the world war in Ukraine and the dollar collapse and everything Mm -hmm. is happening too in this moment. It's part of this moment, but it's like you release a little bit of the grip, of the ego or, or your territory. And then you can allow for things to be ever changing. Like what happened in the past? Well, you're still changing as you're alive and the world is still changing. So there is more space and you are like in like in a mental place, in an emotional state that perceive what is real now that is what you're sensing in, in your body and that's the only pl- place that i believe that pleasure lives a fleshly physical pleasure like you you cannot think of you can think of, of an orgasm and that may give you pleasure but that won't give you an orgasm an orgasm is happens in the exact moment when it happens so, right. So it makes a lot of sense being being present and making a practice of of being um, in your experience of the now, So you don't arrive empty-handed into the intimate encounter with your beloved. So this this makes me think, of fulfilling sexuality being actually a lifestyle, not only uh, something that happens in the bedroom, but like something that is informed and threaded through every area of of your life.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think it's 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 important to realize that we're a whole being, and sexuality is a is a is a part of our expression. And so, yeah, it, it creeps into all parts of our lives. No no area of our life, as much as we like to think about it, is separate from the other things. And I like what we're talking about here with the stories that we tell ourselves, for a lot of women, they'll have the story, I can't orgasm. Well, how do you think your body's going to do, react when you're telling yourself over and over, I can't orgasm? Well, that can be very hard if you never have orgasm you, because your mind has the proof. Well, no, I haven't orgasmed. Um and so it's very hard to let go of the stories that we sort of put a we sort of put a spell over ourselves and we get what we keep telling ourselves no I can't orgasm when you go to that state of complete presence where you're away from your story now you have the opportunity to create anew and you're away from your story and you can realize that that story has nothing to do with right now yes. and the same thing goes with you know money the same thing goes with your health we get stuck in how things have been and we we can't get present enough to get away from all of the doom and gloom that's on the you know the windshield of the car and then so we think that that's us and we are so identified with it that we don't realize when we go to that place before the story ever happened we can create everything differently and so this is a practice that really goes beyond just sex it goes to every area of your life and when you have that um, practice of doing that, then it's going to really creep into your, you know, wealth and your health, and you know you can change. You don't have to do things the way that you they have been, and you don't have to feel bad about how you did things before. The part of you that feels bad, oh, I have an orgasm. Oh, I, uh, I, I'm in debt, or oh, I'm this. That that story it pings something inside of our survival that just uh, makes us feel bad about ourselves. But it's just a story of how things have been. And to get away from that story, we have to step outside of that mind that's constantly creating a narrative.
0: Yes, we need to step outside of that mind creating that narrative, working at a root level and also like um, exerting our creative power of creating not an iteration of an old story, but creating... Mm -hmm. Uh, a story that is sourced from from desire, from that sincere place of self worthiness, and that leads to to true fulfillment and satisfaction.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. The thing is, we're always fulfilled. We just don't know it. We're just searching outside of ourselves.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Derailed, derailed, but by, by advertising, we're all, all right field inside yeah so so would you share with us a little exercise or experience to to be more welcoming of orgasmic pleasure
1: i think uh in terms for women or for men or both Mm -hmm. actually let's do both actually
0: for for women for men on on being a part or creating or um providing this, uh, orgasmic pleasure
1: to women too. Um, I think one thing, and this really goes for women especially is get a mirror and, and, you know, like a full length mirror and explore your genitals and connect with it. Um, you know, connect with every part of yourself emotionally and, and just really see what comes up, what judgments come up and and guys try this as well, right? What judgments come up immediately is part of the story you're telling yourself right and so yeah. it sounds so simple but it is so that pe- people you know will often overlook this because it's so simple you can even use the selfie camera on your on your phone but just look at your genitals and just say that is that is a part of me yes. and it's beautiful it and connect beautiful. with it yes. because the 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 mind is just kind of stuck in its story of like, oh, that's dirty. That's nasty down there. That sex thing. It's, it's bad. I was told that like, you know, you can get STIs and that's where all the, the devil's work is and all that story you're carrying. When you stop and just look and connect with your genitals for a while, like five, 10 minutes, that can really be helpful for a lot of guys. They'll, uh, it'll help them to see the judgments that they have guys are oftentimes stuck in i'm not big enough or i'm you know this way or that way and um you just really realize to really be connected during sex and pleasure y- you just have to be a- totally accepting of where and what you are and there's no comparing to anyone else you are on your unique journey mm-hmm. and to to have that that sort of heart connectedness to your genitals is important and then an- you can take that a step further and have um your partner look at your genitals and explain what they see and oftentimes it's interesting because you'll see it one way and they'll see it through their lens and then you can find that part of you that you know if you kind of look at your vulva and you're kind of like ooh that's kind of gross or you know it's maybe different from what you would expect or, or anything that comes up, then your partner explains it. And it's like, Ooh, that's sexy. This is beautiful. I love touching you right here on the outsides of, you know, the outer labia and all this stuff. And you'll find that part of your mind that won't accept it. You'll find that part that's like, Ooh, really? Like, you know, and that's where you can see the separation of the story you've created of what's real and what's not. And so you can feel comfortable that when your partner has his, his, you know, his face down there and he's performing oral sex he sees you as beautiful he loves doing this to you it's not about the story or the interpretation of how things should be it's it's presence it's reality there's no judgment there's everything is connected through through here not here you know in the heart not the mind and that that alone will make you more connected and uh, allowing of your own pleasure
0: yes Taking ownership of of the beauty in your genitals, mm-hmm. and like having your own say on yourself, and also putting a hard stop to the narrative that you've been told about yourself, and maybe you didn't examine it and you just believed it and operated. that way to the level that uh, it walled you off from pleasure and yeah i
1: think both men oh go ahead Uh, both men and women are are hold shame about the way they look down there they might not even realize it because so many of us have you know only seen the other genitals we've or the only other genitals we've ever seen are from pornography typically or just like you know the little bit we've seen in our life, and that is such an exaggeration for both men and women um, to you know, and for them to hold on to that wrong perspective. I think for women, um, they they see you know a, a shape of the genitals that's that's chosen for the the way it looks. I think the book is called uh, "I'll Show You Mine." Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's I, "I'll Show You Mine," but it's a book of vulvas that just shows the variety and amazing you know. Uh, depth that nature has created vulvas in, and I think it could be very good for women to go through that book and just look and see what other women really look like. And I think the same thing for men. Men get this, you know, total disturbing uh, idea that they should be like nine to twelve inches long, and that's because pornography has chosen that that you know, top point zero 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 one percent of men with that length of penis, because men are the ones that prefer to masturbate to other men with that big of a penis. And so it really distorts the reality of the situation. And so we have judgments and shame about our own body that once you let that vanish and you, you know, become more accepting of yourself, then the story's gone. And then, you can allow for pleasure much more easily without the, you know, survival mind being like, but are they judging me? Or, you know, am I okay? You can let it go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And simply like we have this area of our body that is just being introduced in, in school textbooks in some countries. And right, this is like, I mean this is our fleshly paradise. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> sexual pleasure is one of the best things in in life and that has been so like mm, repressed by by everything, religion. And this exercise of seeing yourself with a full body mirror for me is like like looking the map of the of the of the treasure that is pleasure right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> because like yeah this is me this is my anatomy and like this is a the anatomical landmarks and then you can explore your own trails and and discover where where the treasure of your pleasure really is and it's not in a story it's yeah. not a uh, thinking discourse is a felt sensed experience that is sexual pleasure and orgasm
1: you're right and I think that's how you know your your yourself so well that like once you've really connected mentally and emotionally to your genitals like for some women that are highly orgasmic they'll know exactly where to touch on their clitoris is it like the one o'clock position you know is you know in, is it counterclockwise or clockwise? all those little details really dial in your patterns. So yeah, you have to connect, you have to see the map exactly and, and know what you like. And you, until you really connect with yourself, you're not going to know that you're not going to have the map to your own pleasure. Really?
0: Yes. Let's find the map of our own pleasure. And now I want to ask all of my best friends, like what, what's their time? Like, are, are are they orgasming at one o'clock in <laughs> the position of their clitoris? That's that's yeah. fantastic. That's a great conversation to have. Like, do you know where your your ultimate pleasure spot or what's the area, or maybe it changes according to the seasons or or your period or whatever? But like, why wouldn't we really know ourselves to that point? Like. In the same way that we know how to draw the pinup line in the eyelid and we know uh, the need for the ATM and take money out, why wouldn't we know our clitoris? Yeah, let's get started. How how can we know more about your work?
1: Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So my wife and I just basically started uh, the thing for women. It's called ElevatePassion.com. Uh, for the women listening, they can go there and take a quiz to see what uh, what's blocking their orgasm. So it kind of really helps with what we're talking about, the gas and the break. Uh, and then we also have a stillness test to see how good you are at, at you know being still in the mind. So you can try that out. And then um, uh, also my blog, jasonjulius.com. And then my YouTube channel is Jason Julius. So um, I have a lot of content on there as well.
0: Fantastic. So, so I'm going to write the links uh, to your... Website and the quizzes here below. And thank you so much, Julius. This is a Yeah. Episode.
1: It's been a pleasure. Absolutely.
0: It's been a pleasure. And thank you, Centralist, for being here. If you haven't subscribed already to the Central Sessions podcast, please go to www.centrodepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes delivered weekly on your inbox. Until next time, remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame.